listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hi, and welcome back to the show. We have a really special guest today. He's a dear friend of mine. He is my investor neighbor. Today we have Todd Joy with Joy Properties. Todd, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sterling. Thank you for having me. So we typically kick off our program by asking our investors, why should we listen to you? So can you tell us a little bit about your accomplishments in the real estate investing world? So so our guests have some perspective on, on kind of what you've done out there? Well, I started in real estate in 1970s as a salesperson in California. During that time, I also bought and resold multiple properties. And in the late 80s, I decided I was going to retire in Louisiana and started buying income property here. And uh, now I have a few hundred units of income property, which helps sustain my retirement income. And retirement's a very loose word because I've never worked so hard in my life. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, there's no reason to listen to me. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, if this is your retirement, I'm not looking forward to it. You yeah. work harder than I do. <laughs> I know. I, I should have stayed in real estate. I made buckets of money and I didn't work nearly as hard. But anyway, uh, that's what I did and that's what I'm doing. I am planning to liquidate in the next couple of years. So those of you who want to invest, <laughs> don't call me yet. <laughs> but a couple of years, Sterling, you should start buying my stuff. Tell them all to get in line behind me. Yes. <laughs> so that's it. What else do you want to know? That sounds like you have a tremendous amount of experience. So definitely want to dig in a little deeper and hear more about it. Can you tell us uh, a bit about your background, kind of what you did before real estate, and then how you decided to make that transition into real estate sales, and then what that evolved to in California, maybe go into a little more detail about the, the house flipping you talked about, and then why you transitioned from that to income properties, specifically income properties in Louisiana, being from California. Okay. The reason I got into real estate was my lack of education. I've never worked for anyone else. I've always been self-employed. However, my first career, I was a horse trainer for hunters and jumpers. And I finished high school. I started my first year of college and at that time was drafted. This was during the Vietnam War. So I spent a couple of years doing that. And then when I came back, I resumed my riding career However, my body decided it couldn't ride 8 to 12 hours a day anymore. So I, with no education, I thought, well, I can get into sales because I think I would be good at that. And it turned out I was. That's why I got into real estate. <laughs> from there... And from our previous conversations, you were quite the successful real estate agent. Can you? I was undefeated as far as income, top producing for 15 years. But anyway... <laughs> that was very lucrative. The sales were very lucrative, and also the exchange of property was also enhanced my net worth dramatically. However, when I decided I was going to retire, I thought, not having ever really delved into income property, I thought, you know, you just go down and collect the rent and cash a check. <laughs> By the way, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> And I thought that I, you know, had I not invested in all these buildings and stuff, I would not have the additional monthly income, but I probably would have had enough 
money to survive on for my dotage, but it's been a very good income producing stream and continues to be and all my buildings are free and clear now, but it's been like 30 years, so everything should be. And I don't know what else to say about that, except do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so back up a little bit more, because there's a couple of things that I wanted to address. So your huge success in, in, in real estate sales were obviously because of your charm. But uh, another note is that you were in the Hollywood market. Hollywood Hills. Beverly Hills, Bel Air, and Holmby Hills is where I focused. And I've heard you say before that you wouldn't list a property if it was under a million dollars. Right, but that was in, that was when a million dollars was a million dollars. A million dollars today is you know nothing, but a million dollars in the nineteen seventies would be what fifteen million today or something. I have no idea, but yeah. So it, it takes the same amount of time to sell a $100,000 house as it does to sell a million dollar house. Do the math. Yeah, and you're getting 3% on, on each. Or six. Or six. Yeah. Did you find yourself on both sides? Multiple, multiple both sides? times, yeah. Oh, wow. And a couple of times, which was very exciting for me. I, I sold the house to a buyer, and after which the house that I knew that they really would have wanted came on the market. So I closed the escrow on the house that I sold them, sold them the new house also, and this is multi-million dollar deals, and then resold the house that I had just sold them the first time. That happened like three times. That was, oh. <laughs> and I'm on, I'm on both sides of two of the deals. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was fun. And then now, now, you weren't strictly in sales. You you moved up to... With partners, I owned a couple of firms in my area. How and why did you make the transition from, from an active agent to like the management or, or owning role? Because people offered me the position to own in order if I would come and join with them because my portfolio was so huge. You know, I was a valuable asset. And I was enjoying sales. I didn't really care about you know, becoming a broker and doing all that shit. And in fact, I never did, but I did have an ownership position in two firms, which was given to me so that I would affiliate myself with them. Okay, cool. So once you made all the money you thought you needed from, from the real estate sales and the ownership and the brokerages, and you decided that, all right, well, now I'm going to retire. I want to start pouring my money into income producing buy and hold real estate why did you go with louisiana from california most people from louisiana want to move to california i don't know that many people in california that want to move to louisiana well i've been here 30 years and i really like louisiana a lot the people are nicer if you want to be in california you better be young good looking and successful and when you're no longer young it's not a kind place to be so that's why I came to Louisiana also because the opportunities, the investment opportunities were huge here. The price of real estate in California would double approximately every three years. Here, it takes decades for a product to double, well, at least historically, however, it's doing better now. But, you know, the cost of buying the product, the income goes up dramatically every year because housing costs go up 
as far as renting is concerned, goes up every year, but the cost of the investment doesn't. So your income stream keeps increasing. And in California, you're lucky to break even when you buy a build, an income building because the cost of the building is so dramatically higher than it is here. So, so, so for, from day one, when you buy a building here, you most often have a spendable income. So it, you just cash flow better because of the relationship from the price of the building to the rent coming in. Correct. Whereas you could buy a building for 100000 here and get $1,000 a month rent. That same building in, in California would cost you a million, but still only get you $1,000 a month Correct. Rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the value of, of the real estate goes up dramatically in California. So that's where you win on that one. But if you want to hold and live off of an income is very difficult to do in my market in California. So how did you how did you get into the house flipping in California? I heard you say that it, it was almost like you couldn't lose because the prices were doubling every other year. How did you go to about this? every three years? Well, you remember I was in the in the sales force, so I knew the product as it came on the market. If I saw something I thought was exceptionally well priced or with the exceptional up end potential I buy it and uh, dress it and resell it. And on several occasions, I could do that within the escrow period. We don't have escrows in Louisiana, but you know the concept. Buy something on paper between then and when you actually take title is an escrow period. So on several occasions, I was able to resell the product before, before I even closed the escrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that, was, that worked out well. How did you scale your rental portfolio from when you initially started? Had you made so much cash that you just came to Louisiana and bought all these properties cash, or you just... No, I leveraged it. I put, you know, but I put today, and I don't know why that is, but apparently today you can get in to the market with very little down. That was never my intention. I had the cash, so I usually put 20% down maybe as low as 10 on a few buildings, but usually 20% down, and then I would finance the balance. When I started, I think the interest rates here were hovering at about, I don't know, between seven and nine, which was still good. Now, of course, it's ridiculously low. That's not gonna last forever. But, but like I was telling you, Sterling, there was a time in California where interest rates were 15%. And that, that made <laughs> that made the market struggle dramatically and made it hard to qualify and made buying and selling real estate torture for a few years. But that'll be back. <laughs> yeah. So strike now. <laughs> well, awesome. So the next part of our, our program is we typically we ask about the highs and the lows. So can you tell us about an absolute home run you made, some investment that worked out way better than you anticipated, something that went really well, and then follow up with something that went horribly wrong, because we know it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows out there, so maybe a, a disaster, a nasty eviction, or something you lost money on. Well, there's, there's been a series of home runs in my real estate career, as I spoke about earlier, and really, the most dramatic loss I incurred was on my personal residence when I decided to move to Louisiana. The market in California had taken a big dump again. 
and I had bought a big house here in Louisiana, and so I decided I was going to go ahead and make the transition, and I owned all these buildings in management with a management company, which, by the way, is not the way to go. <laughs> and uh, so I needed to be here to take care of my investments. I was looking forward to moving into this big house, which, you know, this, this house in California in those days would have been $10, $15 million. And here it was like a million. So that I'm just saying it's dramatically more house. So the, the, the lower cost of living here allowed for you to have a higher quality of life. Correct. And, but now I'm stuck with a, an expensive house in California and the market is in the toilet. And, you know, it's anytime the market's in the toilet, anywhere you are, it's difficult to sell. So I uh, had a buyer come up that needed me to carry financing, which I did. And How it, much did you carry? A lot. <laughs> Three quarters of a million dollars. Oh, wow. And that was, that was the second? That was, that was the, the second. No, that was, yeah. yeah. I can't remember if he assumed my first or there was a, that he put a first on there and they allowed a second. At any rate, he went belly up and I had the choice, the choice to either bail out the house by paying, bringing current all the payments on the first, and then pick up again, resell the house, rent it out, or do something with it. And I was here, and I just walked away from that loss. So seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have, if I had hindsight, because now the house, of course, has tripled the value again. <laughs> so tell us about some of the home loans. I know you and I have talked about it before, but I want our listeners to hear how you double-closed on a half-million-dollar spread. That was... The purchase was... All I had to do is get in there and clean it up a little bit. And while in escrow, I was offered half a million more for the property, and that's how that worked. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that. It's pretty obvious. That's some, that's some high highs and some low lows. Yeah. But it all come, it all works out in the wash, you know. Yeah. It's like I so, could be a lot richer, but I could be a lot poorer. <laughs> right. So you mentioned earlier that hiring a property manager is not the way to go. Can you elaborate a little bit? Well, when you have property manager managers, what they do is they charge you a percentage of your in, your gross income from your buildings or building or whatever you own. And it's usually hovering about 10%, I guess, that's what it was that's 30 years ago. Still, about 10%. But, which is not horrible. What's horrible is anytime there's a light bulb that needs to be changed, a toilet that needs to be fixed, a tenant is locked out of the apartment and they need to go and open the door for them, those are additional fees that are charged by the management company. So they just eat you alive. So don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't have the time or the skills to, at least on a minor degree, to maintain your own property, to do your own rent collecting and all those types of things, don't do it. Yeah. It'll just eat your lunch. So the, the next question we have is kind of what advice do you have for our listeners based on all the experience that you've had? Somebody who is 
maybe thinking about getting started and wondering if, if real estate investing is, is the right choice or if it's worth it, or maybe somebody who, who just got started and, and is wondering how to, to scale. I don't really know that what that question meant, but real estate is probably the best vehicle for making money that is available to anybody. So get started and you can decide what you want to do. Like a lot of people, when they're scaling up their, their personal residence, they uh, buy a product, they, they improve upon it, and then they resell it and then buy another, another house that's more money, do the same thing, and build that up until you have whatever you really want in life. And that works. And you're deferring your capital gains every time you do that, as long as you're buying up. And then the thing with the income property, if you're planning to hold, then you want to be hopefully in a neighborhood that's going to be improving, not you know, Louisiana, our neighborhoods change quite rapidly. So, you know, this area is to avoid. So be sure you do your homework and find out what areas are improving and what areas are failing. It's all out there. Right now, you can do it. It's, if you got a little bit of coinage and some knowledge and are willing to do the work, real estate is the best, I think, the best avenue to wealth. So you said do your homework and, and you mentioned how the Louisiana neighborhoods can change quite rapidly and, and I, I definitely hear you on that. If you had to go back, would you have bought different properties in Louisiana had you been here first? I would have bought more. My problem was I was in California and I was buying sight unseen, really. Like I bought a apartment complex in West Baton Rouge and it, on paper it was performing just fine and it was under management, <laughs> C.J. Brown. And that was, uh, anyway, when I saw what I'd actually bought, it was horrific. There was murders there every at least once a month there was a gunfight or a murder. They had, there was a whole building, there's 13 buildings over there. A whole building was derelict. They had still broken out the uh, drywall, stolen all the copper plumbing out of the walls. <laughs> and I didn't know any of this because all I was looking at was the, the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> and it was still performing beautifully. <laughs> so, so. Anyway, but that's a, that became a huge success story. I, eventually, when I came here, I saw what I had bought and went, oh, shit. So I just started evicting and cleaned out the entire complex, basically, and started over. Although I do have some old ladies that have been there for 30 years, <laughs> over 30 years. And now there's absolutely no crime. It's, you know, it's performing beautifully, and it's, you know, it's worth 20 times what I paid for it, so... So it became a success story, but <laughs> try not to go and blindfold and look and see what you see what you're buying and where it is before you make your investment. So, oh, I would never have bought those buildings had I known what they were. What you know, had I not so, bought them sight unseen. So all's well that ends well. It yeah. worked out better that you didn't see it. Yeah, because I wouldn't have bought it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have bought something else. Right. So is that yeah. when? When, you, when it started to turn around was when you took over the management yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's when, once I, I was hands-on and I could physically see and know who I was dealing with as tenants, 
and I could see that, you know, they would, when I saw it the first time, there was tennis shoes thrown over the electrical wires, which indicates, you know, this is where you buy your drugs. I mean, it was just a nightmare. Is that what that means? Yes. I didn't know that. See, I didn't know it either. <laughs> you live and you learn. So, if you want drugs, look for tennis <laughs> shoes thrown yes. over the power lines. But if you want real estate, look somewhere else. Yeah, but if you want to buy real estate, don't buy there. <laughs> Did you find that it was easier to turn that property around because you owned the whole block and you had control? Yes, land? yes. And, I had, and it was, there was very little housing in West, well, there still is very little housing over there. So, the potential was, was huge. And now I'm delighted I bought it, but it was a lot of work. Were, were you ever afraid? Did you ever find yourself in any scary situations, a victim, drug dealers, and murderers? No. And uh, people always ask me that, but no, I've, I've never, I, <laughs> I guess I'm just stupid. But now that I'm old, I probably wouldn't have made the same choices that I made in those days, but I was in the excellent condition and lots of testosterone. <laughs> so uh, now that I'm 71, I probably wouldn't do that again. <laughs> Anyway, so I don't know what other questions I can answer for you, but bottom line is get your feet wet. It's easy to get started, and using your head, it's difficult to lose in real estate. What do you think separates the people that, that are successful in the business to people that kind of give up or don't get started or, or, or screw up? Well, first of all, you have to be able to, you, if you're just starting out, you have to have a, a stable income to rely on. You can't think that you're going to just take off and be, be able to succeed in real estate without some time and learning process and financial investment. And so those that lose aren't positioned to win. So, so you would, you know, I, I hear sometimes on, on the forums and stuff, people are like, I'm going to quit my job and go be a real estate investor. Don't do that. <laughs> Keep your day job. <laughs> makes it a lot easier to get those loans. Yes. And to pay for those uh, busted water heaters. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, here's another bit of advice. Be well insured. <laughs> yeah. So, so when... When the flood happened in 2016, how many properties did you have affected by that? And I had 20 units go under. And uh, they all, did they all have flood insurance? Uh, in 2016, no. In fact, none of them did. Oh, wow. They were all on the same street. And I had, I had had flood insurance on them for years and years and years without a flood. So as soon as I decided that I was going to save the money on flood insurance, they flooded. <laughs> So, so that was silly. <laughs> and now you have flood insurance on them again. I have flood insurance. That you pay a lot less of because of me. Yes. <laughs> well, no, because when I had flood insurance, the flood insurance per building was like 400 bucks a year or something. Then it went up to like 3000 a year because I let it lapse. Uh, 3000 per building. Yeah. And then you, luckily, I don't know what you did to find this. Oh, I know, because it was... The age of the uh, buildings was grandfathered in, and I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what it, it, it helps to have young friends. <laughs> I 
I also taught you how to market your properties online. Yes, I didn't know you know that was an option. <laughs> I thought it was signs and, and the advocate. By the way, the advocate is uh, not a good way to advertise your properties. No one reads it anymore, I suppose. Right. So, can you tell us a little bit more about the operations of your business? So, like, we know now that you use online marketing for your for your to find your tenants. What other kind of tools do you use to run your business? Something that I always find interesting is how much of it you physically do yourself. I do well. I have a crew, a crew of five people who work full time, but I still myself I do almost all my electrical, almost all my plumbing. You know, I can also fix appliances if they're not too smart. <laughs> and so I do all that myself. Not because I have to, but because what else do I have to do? But I save a lot of money doing that. A funny story, my handyman was at one of my properties across the street from one of your properties. And he called me up and said, I met your friend, this uh, old guy in a white t-shirt digging a trench. He must be your other handyman. I said, that's Todd. He owns the whole block. <laughs> he did not believe it. He said, I would not be out <laughs> Well... There you go. That's why I'm selling everything in two years, Sterling. Because <laughs> I'm getting too old to dig trenches. <laughs> uh, and as far as all your accounting, you do everything through QuickBooks. I do. And I've used QuickBooks since it was invented. And I don't remember what year that was. But I find it a great product. And they every year they come up with a newer version, which, you know, I, I have a subscription. So it's, you know, it's part of the package. And they're always improving it. It's it's very simple to learn. And uh, if you have the kind of volume that I deal with, it's you, it's imperative that you have some kind of a financial software that makes your life easier. Uh, I'm in the process of setting it up as we speak. And I'm in the process of showing you how to do it. <laughs> That's right. I, I have I've gotten overwhelmed as the numbers of units grow with the money transferring between accounts and coming in here and going out there, I, it's just hard for me to get a snapshot of where I'm at. Yeah, That's and that'll do that for you. And it's also, there's areas where you can put in notes and, uh, you know, alarm codes. And, and then as your, as your tenancy changes, you keep your previous tenant in your history and you can put, make notes on them so that in five years, should they reappear and you didn't like them in the first place, you just look and see who they were. Nice. Because <laughs> I have released a couple of occasions to people I should never have rented to in the first place. That was in West Baton Rouge. But Yeah, I've, uh, I've had people stand me up for three showings on one unit and then reach out to me about going to see another unit. I said, no, I'm not driving across. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So what's next for you? Death. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, just, just keep breathing, I guess. You're just going to liquidate everything and travel the world? You know, I really don't enjoy traveling anymore, especially the state of the world as it is today. But maybe in a couple of years, the world will renormalize, and that, that will be an interesting thing to do. I have been everywhere. Well, not everywhere, but I've been... Everywhere you want to go. Well, no, I haven't been to Australia. I'd like oh, to do yeah. that. But I've been to Africa multiple times and, of course, all through Europe and Asia. And I've been to Vietnam. <laughs> 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 I 
I don't want to go there again. <laughs> <laughs> so the last little part of our program is, is we call it the radio round just for fun to get our listeners to know you a little better. Uh, we just have three quick questions. First one is, what's your favorite book? I read so little anymore. <laughs> but I really enjoyed a book Anne Rice wrote called A Cry to Heaven. I strongly recommend it. It's not something that she's famous for because she, she's the author of all those vampire chronicles, which are beautifully written too well. The originals, the later ones were not so well done, but give it a shot. A Cry to Heaven is historically accurate and beautifully written. I will definitely check it out. What's your favorite quote? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> Buy low, sell high. <laughs> That's my favorite quote. <laughs> location, location, location. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite quote. Right. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the same one I told you last time, Sterling. <laughs> I got, I got in trouble for that one. <laughs> I'd have to beep half of it out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Drink? No, not really. <laughs> I like working around my house. I, I enjoy that. Oh, and I enjoy washing my cars. I have five vehicles, some of which are, you know, very fancy cars. And I enjoy playing with those. It's like, a, that's my hobby. Yeah. That's what I do. Absolutely. It's the little stuff that... Yeah. <laughs> I like cutting my grass. I don't like spending my money because then I don't have it. Right. <laughs> Although I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. So I really enjoyed the interview, and uh, there's a lot of great stuff there, and I'm sure our listeners will love it. So thank you for coming and joining us today. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at crestworthcapital.com or rentrollradio.com or follow us on Facebook at rentrollradio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.